The following audio is from Crossroads Church, a church in Lincoln, Nebraska, centered around building genuine community through authentic faith. More info can be found at lincolncrossroads.com. Amen. Amen. So let me me start with a question here. Have you ever experienced a season in your spiritual life where God seemed silent? Where it seemed like, like he wasn't speaking? Maybe it felt like God was a little distant. Have you ever felt that before? Listen, if, if you have, here, here's, the, here's the big secret. <laughs> um, if you have, most of us feel like we're not allowed to acknowledge that because that'd be a lack of faith. Um, but if you have experienced something like that, you are in the majority. Um, it is very common. It is very common. We're going to see biblical examples. You read the, the, the like church fathers, people who... Um, walked closely with Jesus. It is a very common experience to go through a season of life where it seems as if God stops speaking. It feels as if God has pulled back. Maybe you found yourself questioning the whole God thing altogether. Maybe you didn't go to that questioning part, but maybe like your, your faith was still there, but you just just discouragement kind of hits you. You get confused, like, what is going on? Let me tell you, you're not alone. Maybe some of you are in that spot right now. Um, you know, I, I believe when we look at the Word and we look at the, just the way that God has, has worked through His people, I think there's a variety of reasons that we experience this type of thing from time to time, this, this season of the, the quiet and the stillness of God, the, the apparent distant, uh, distance of God. The first place we should always turn, because we should usually like start with me, that's a really uh, good place to start in most cases, uh, there's sometimes it's, it, it, God is speaking and I'm just not hearing, right? Um, James chapter 4 verse 8 says this, draw near to God and he'll draw near to you. However, sometimes, we'll just call it like it is, we're human, <laughs> we don't do things perfectly all the time, there's sometimes there's the, where, where my busyness consumes life and I get going and all these different things. And it's not that God stopped talking. It's just that I got too busy to stop and listen. Right? That happens sometimes. Other times, man, I'm just, I'm, I'm feeling this emotional low. Maybe I'm in just feeling this sense of depression and like, ah, this heaviness. And like in it, I'm so overwhelmed by my emotional state that it's like a cloud uh, has come over me and I can't hear it seems like I can't hear God. And then when I realize I feel like I can't hear God and they, I, my depression spirals and I get worse and why can't I hear? Sometimes it's anxiety, fear, worry clouds the voice of God in our life. Sometimes it's preoccupation with certain activities or events of life. I'm preoccupied with my job. I'm so thrust into this that it's just like I've never tuned my ear to the voice of God. I'm so preoccupied with getting my kids sent off to school. Like I haven't heard God's voice in how long. I get so preoccupied with these different things. And so sometimes we got to evaluate our own hearts and evaluate our own lives. I'm like, okay, God, am I just not listening? But then there's other times when God actually does kind of go silent and those are weird. And those are hard. You know, like I'm giving myself fully and I'm listening closely. And it seems like 
God is still far off. C.S. Lewis wrote about this phenomenon um, in the screw tape letters. It's an interesting it's an interesting book. It's actually a letter from one demon to another talking about this person that they're like their client, if you will. They're trying to tempt into hell, that whole thing, okay? So I changed some of the pronouns to make it a little bit more straightforward, but this is from a demonic perspective. <laughs> it says this, sooner or later, God withdraws, if not in fact, at least from their human conscious experience, all the supports and incentives he typically gives. God leaves the creature, the man here, God leaves the creature to stand up on its own legs to carry out from the will alone duties which have lost all relish. It is during such trough periods, much more than during the peak periods, that the man is growing into the sort of creature God wants him to be. Hence, the prayers offered in the state of dryness are those which please him best. He wants them to learn to walk and must therefore take away his hand. And if only the will to walk is really there, he is pleased with even their stumbles. Our cause, our demonic cause, is never more in danger than when, when a human, no longer desiring but still intending to do God's will, looks around upon a universe from which every trace of God seems to have vanished and asks why he has been forsaken and still obeys. Have you ever felt like you were there before? So I want to talk today about when God goes silent. You know, we, there's a number of biblical examples. Let me just hit a couple of them. Uh, we look at it from broad stroke perspective. How about like the time when, um, when the Israelites were slaves in Egypt, man, it was like God was moving the storyline. Then boom, 400 years, they're stuck in uh, bondage to slavery with apparently no guiding direction, no voice of God. How about the, time, the gap between the end of the, the, the prophets, the, the gap between the Old Testament and the New Testament? And God, it seemed like he was speaking and speaking and speaking, and, and one prophet would die and he'd raise up another, and God was speaking to the people of God through the prophets, and all of a sudden, 400 years silence. Or how about on a more personal level, right? We know the story of, or many of us know the story of Elijah, right? This prophet of God, this big showdown, fire came from heaven, demonstrating the power of God, amazing supernatural, spiritual high moment. And then the queen uh, says to Elijah, or says about Elijah, I'm going to kill you or else, like, I'm not going to eat until you're dead, like, meaning this is going to happen quick. And he just, boom, spirals into depression and suicidal uh, thoughts, and like, I just want to die, and just quiet. And it's not until the still small voice of God arrests his attention. The season of quiet. We've come in our, in, in our study of Acts, very quickly, to the quietest passage of Acts in the book, right? I mean, think about it. There have been hundreds of thousands at least sermons written on Acts chapter 1, 1 through 11. You will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes and you will be baptized in the Holy Spirit. You will be my witness, right? This is preachable content right there last week. That was good, right? 
There have been hundreds of thousands of sermons written on Acts chapter 2. Like the, the, the filling of the Holy Spirit, the day of Pentecost, boom, miraculous encounters with the Holy Spirit of God. Incredible. I don't, can't tell you numbers, but there have been way fewer preached on Acts chapter 1, verse 12 through 26. I know that because I was given the task of doing that this week. <laughs> but this is something I, that, that dawned on me. It's the quietest passage of the book. Why in the world? Jesus promising the Holy Spirit. He had been through the book of John. He had, you read that in the last set, like he, the Holy Spirit's coming, the Holy Spirit's coming, the Holy Spirit's coming. He ascends up into heaven like, hey, wait for the Holy Spirit. Don't go anywhere. Wait for the Holy Spirit. You're going to have power. You're going to be a witness. He poop, goes up to heaven. How come he didn't like high five the Holy Spirit as he was ascending and the Holy Spirit was descending back down here? Right? Like, how, why wasn't this a seamless transition? How come Jesus left and then was like, figure it out for the next few days? And sometimes I feel like, like, like we find ourselves in a similar position. It's like, man, everything was going so good, Jesus. Like, we had these moments and like you were empowering us and then you like went up into heaven. This was incredible. And then like, the clouds covered you up, and then we all just looked at each other like, now what? I had the encounter with Jesus. The Holy Spirit has not yet come to empower to witness. And God seems silent and feels distant. But here's the deal. This story is different than some of the other waiting stories, and that's what I think is kind of cool. Um, a lot of times in the examples that we have of waiting in the quiet and waiting in the stillness are bad examples and examples of how not to do it, right? Like unlike, but this one's different because unlike Israel and Egypt, instead of just this monotonous life of slavery, it was different. It, it was unlike the Israel's after, Israel after, uh, after the prophets where there was just this slow drift from the heart of God. It was unlike Elijah after the fire where it was, he just went straight to depression. The disciples waited well, and I think there's some things that we can learn, we as followers of Jesus, we who walk through some of the same things at times, I think there's some things that we can learn about waiting well. They left us a, a pretty good pattern, I believe, of how to find ourselves in seasons of waiting, what to do in seasons of waiting or seasons of silence. Because oftentimes they're, they're one and the same. In those seasons of silence, we're just waiting for the voice of God. But there's other times where we've, we've like, like the disciples here, God gave them a promise. There's some of us, we've received a promise. They're like, man, I'm holding on to this promise. God, I'm holding on to this truth. You know, usually he speaks for so most of the promises you will ever receive from God in your life are already written. And when we read his word that is inspired by the Holy Spirit, filled with the Holy Spirit within us, he will bring to life some specifics for us. The majority of the word, words that God wants to speak to you, the majority of the promises that God wants to speak specifically to areas of your life have already been written. Let's be people of the word. That, that's a side note. Sometimes he speaks something specifically and directly through prayer into your heart. But either way, there's many of us. I know. I've had conversations with us. There's many of us. God has given you a promise. God has shown you something that is not yet 
like ready to be fulfilled. And maybe you're just like, I, I don't know what to do between now. How It feels like he said this to me. I, I, I sense this, the, the, this promise in my heart, but like, what do I do with this? So whether you're in a season of waiting because you feel the distance of God, or maybe you're in a season of waiting because you feel like God's spoken something to your heart and, and you haven't seen it in fulfillment, let me give you just a couple of things uh, that we can learn when the disciples were in this very same season. See, let's look at the, the next verse. So Jesus ascends up into heaven. Verse 12 starts today. Then the apostles returned to, the, to Jerusalem. from the hill called the Mount of Olives on a Sabbath day's walk from the city. They arrived and they went upstairs and they got together. So here, here's, here's some things that I want to I point out. We're going to get further, deeper into our text here in a minute. And here's the first, I think the first little tip we can learn about waiting, seasons of waiting, is one, they waited with expectation. They waited with expectation. Jesus said, Wait. And then he gave him a promise, right? He didn't just say wait for no reason. He, he told him why to wait. He said, wait, because you will receive, you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. He said, wait, because you will receive power. He said, wait, because you will be my witnesses. Now, here's the craziest part here. Here's the craziest part. Those early believers in Jesus, those followers of Jesus, they actually trusted that what Jesus said was going to happen would happen. Isn't that crazy? You know, there's so, so often, like, we, we, we receive a promise, whether from Scripture or God speaks to our heart, we receive a, re, receive a promise, and we're like, man, this is great, but are you really? For, are you sure? It, can I actually stand on this? Can I, does this thing have any weight? But when Jesus said, wait here, okay, you got to wait here for a little bit, but this is what's going to happen. The Holy Spirit is going to baptize you. You're going to receive power from him and you'll be my witnesses in the city and in the region and your witness is going to reach, your testimony is going to reach the edge of the earth's earth. They trusted it. Like with full expectation that that was going to happen. You know, sometimes we, we, we walk in those, those seasons of like, man, God feels far. Let me, let me notice this. God gets quiet. That's, that's, I don't understand why and I don't understand at all, but he never gets far, okay? Maybe you've caught this even as I've been setting this up and talking about this. Like there's times where God goes silent, but there's times when God feels far. Because here's a, one of those promises that you can hold on to in, in that season uh, in Hebrews chapter 13, verse 5, it says, never will I leave you and never will I forsake you. See, this is the promise of Scripture. So when you're walking through that time where it feels like I can't hear God's voice, and I automatically assume that because I can't hear his voice, he must be somewhere off in some distant land and not caring at all about me, like, we've got to go back to his word. We've got to go back to his promises, and we're going to trust that what he says is true. When you're in seasons of waiting, you've got to trust the voice of God. You've got, to, you've got to live, you've got to wait with expectation that his promise is what he said it was. Never will I leave you, never will I forsake you. Do you trust that? When God seems silent, can you, can you trust that he's still there? Can you trust that he still sees you? Can you trust that, that he still loves you? 
in the seasons of waiting, can you trust him? When it's just not time yet. Let me ask you this. Does waiting typically produce in you expectation or doubt? We usually go one way or the other, don't we? We usually go one way or the other. When we know the exact timeline, it tends to produce expectation, right? Little kid at Christmas time, they count down the days with eager anticipation. But you know what's harder is when the promise is tied to someday. And someday never shows up. You know, this, they were waiting for, you know, Jesus had left and they were waiting for the coming of the Holy Spirit. Today, we live with the Holy Spirit uh, alive and well within us as followers of Jesus, but we still are waiting for the, the coming of Jesus to come back again. And it's hard sometimes because, like, we can't see it. And it's hard because, like, we've seen this promise in Scripture and it's been here for, like, 2,000 years. And we're like, okay, yeah, but someday... And my expectation begins to turn to doubt, like, I am, uh, or apathy. I mean, sure, someday. But what if we, as, as believers, what if we lived where we actually believed that what Jesus said was going to happen? I know we believe it, like, somewhere back here in the deep recesses of our brain. Jesus is going to come back again. That's going to be great. Someday I'll be with him, and yada, yada, yada. What if we lived with the kind of expectation, like, at any given moment, I might see Jesus face to face? What if we lived with the kind of expectation that not only at any given moment I am going to see Jesus, I could see Jesus face to face, but every, at any given moment, the loved ones in my life, my neighbors, my coworkers, my extended family members might also see the same Jesus and may or may not have the same experience. When we find ourselves in waiting, we often turn to doubt, we often turn to apathy, we also often turn to just dep- uh, depression. Ah, but what if we... What if we believed, actually believed that what Jesus said is going to happen? See, it begins to rise up within us a a spirit and an attitude of expectation that says, man, he's coming. Or maybe it's, it's for something specific. Man, I, I, just, I, just, I, just, I, I just got this word from the Lord that I just believe that, that this family member is coming to Christ and I just can't see it at all. Man, if he says it, it's coming. See, what are those things that you are waiting for? What are those places? Maybe it's like, man, I know, I know God is real, but he's seemed so far for so long. Have you ever, have you ever had a cold and like on day four, like you forgot what life without a cold felt like? You know what I'm talking about? Like, it's just like, this is it now. This is my existence. I will blow buckets of snot into this tissue every single day of my life. And don't tell me you haven't felt that before. Like, this headache is pounding and I can't get... We get so buried in it. But sometimes we just got to lift our head up and be like, no, 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 I can see. I have full expectation. You ever, like even when you're sick, I had some, some congestion just a little while ago and I had to, there was a moment where I just had to just be like, okay, in a month, I'm going to be able to breathe again. Just focus on that. I can't see it. <laughs> I don't know when it's going to be, but at least in a month, I'm going to be able to see again. You know what I mean? Like, like sometimes we just got to be able to live, like shift things around and be like, no, no, no. I got I to gotta choose to live with the expectation that I know that what Jesus says is going to happen. 
For those of us who are waiting and been waiting for a long time, I, I, I want to remind you of 2 Peter 3, 8 and 9. It says, do not forget this one thing, dear friends. With the Lord, a day is like a thousand years and a thousand years are like a day. The Lord is not slow in keeping his promise, as some understand slowness. Instead, he is patient with you. So let me ask you this. Can you be patient with him? Habakkuk 2.4 says this. The revelation awaits an appointed time. If God has spoken a word to your heart, listen, it awaits at an appointed time. The universe says this. Though it linger, wait for it. It will certainly come and will not delay. It seems a little oxymoronic, counterintuitive, right? Though it linger, it will not delay. There's a difference between lingering and delaying. See, sometimes it feels like the promise of God is lingering, but it's not delayed. The author of time has put it exactly where it needs to be. He sees the timeline from front to back. So let me, let me, let me, let me drop this thought in your mind. If God created time, and he's given you a promise today that you're not going to see until another day, there's a reason he did that. There's a reason he left this time gap in between. And so that brings us to the second thing. We're just going to look at these two things. One, they waited with expectation. Two, they waited with purpose. You see, God doesn't waste our waiting. Let me encourage us. Let's not waste it either. See, if God has spoken a word to us, or maybe we're just, we're just, we're just waiting to experience God, feel God like, man, I, I, God, how come it doesn't feel like it used to feel anymore? God, I want it to feel like, God, where did you go? Maybe you're not doing anything wrong. I can check your heart, but maybe you're not doing anything wrong. Maybe God has a purpose in your waiting. So how do, we, how do we then wait on purpose? No, not on purpose. <laughs> we never wait on purpose. <laughs> how do we wait with purpose? How do we wait with purpose? And here's where I want to show you. I, I say that they waited with expectation. And the reason that I know they waited with expectation, and that's really more of a, a mental thing, an attitude thing, a heart thing, a, a looking forward thing. It's a little bit harder to measure, but there's, here's how I know their expectation was there is because how they spent their time in waiting. Like I said, the Israelites in Egypt, they didn't spend their time well. The Israelites without the prophets, they didn't spend their time well. Elijah, after uh, his big victory, when it felt like God went quiet, he didn't spend his time well. So let's take a, a, a tip from the disciples who did spend their time well. Let's look at what they did. Acts chapter 1, verse 12, it says, so Jesus sends up into heaven. They take this short, like three-quarter mile walk, pretty short, uh, walk back into the city. And then it says all of the, not the 12, Judas had just uh, killed himself after uh, living with the guilt of betraying Christ. So now the 11, they've joined together. And verse 14 is this. They all joined together constantly in prayer, along with the other women who are part of Jesus' ministry, Mary, the mother of Jesus, and his brothers. So we've got this, we've got this group of individuals, and I love the statement, they all join together constantly in prayer. I love that word constantly, because we, we hear verses of scripture that Paul says, like, pray without ceasing, and that's like so hard to wrap your brain around. It's attainable. I do believe it's attainable, otherwise 
Paul went and told us to do it. But it, it's like really hard to get your brain around like without ceasing, right? But this, this phrase is maybe just a little bit more common in which, it just, I don't know, it just struck me a little bit. They were constantly praying. So I can just imagine like the people in their lives in this season of their life. Like, you know, Peter, oh yeah, I know. Like he's never around anymore because he's like constantly praying with like all Jesus' brothers and stuff. Man, he's, not, he's so hard to get a hold of. I can't ever, like he goes to work and then like, boom, like he's just, like he's constantly there praying. He's constantly praying. Here's the funny thing. They were in the season without Jesus or the Holy Spirit. I wonder what these prayer services were like. They were in a season of waiting, a season of quiet, and yet they said, no, 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 no. This, is, this is where we gotta be. And here's part of the reason why. In waiting, we rarely know what we're actually looking forward to fully. Have you ever noticed that with Jesus? He gives a promise and everybody thinks they know what he means. <laughs> and then when, when he fulfills his promise, it's like way better than they expected and oftentimes like in a completely different direction. Like what did they think? Like we understand a little bit the Holy Spirit, but Jesus was God in the flesh and he's like, I'm leaving and somebody else is gonna come and we're gonna call him the Holy Spirit. Like there's no reason to think that they didn't think another human was going to come as the Holy Spirit. Like, they didn't know what to expect. And so like when I am in waiting and I don't, like I, I want to wait with expectation, but I don't really know what to expect. Anybody else been there? I'm waiting with expectation, but I don't really know what to expect. I don't know what it's going to look like. I don't know how this thing is going to play out. Maybe it, it, it's, a, it's a, a promise. Man, you feel like God's giving you a promise for your family. Like, I, I'm praying the promise, but I, I, I can't actually see it. I'm holding on to, I'm standing on to the word of God, but I genuinely don't know how this is going to play out. I'm choosing to have faith, but I don't, I can't even begin to figure out how this is going to work. You know what you should probably try? Pray constantly. You know, next week we're going to look at the day of Pentecost. The Holy Spirit shows up and like craziness breaks out like the good kind of craziness. God shows up in power. Revival breaks out in a moment. It's crazy. It's awesome. But then it didn't happen because they were all in their houses all by themselves pouting because Jesus left. It didn't happen because they were just apathetically going through the routines of life. That's what the Israelites did in Egypt. It didn't happen when they forgot the vision and they forgot about Jesus and they just went back to how things were and they just kind of sort of try to figure it out on the fly. See, that's what happened with the Israelites after the prophets. It, didn't, it doesn't happen when we throw a pity party that, that God didn't show up like he wanted to. That's what, that's what Elijah did and he ended up nearly suicidal. 
Friends, you don't want to hear this. Or maybe you don't care about hearing it because it's the pastor saying it. And here's the deal. Every time the answer to a problem is prayer and I'm preaching about it, I'm always, it always just like, oh, because like I'm not, I, I, I've sat and listened to preachers say that the answer is prayer. And I'm always like here, like, oh, yeah, 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 of course. You're supposed to say that. You actually get, like, get paid to say that. Maybe if you're like today, currently sitting in a season of, of waiting, or maybe you feel like right now you're in a season of silence, will you hear me? Restructure your days around prayer. I, I don't know. I don't know what else to tell you. Actually, I got one more thing I'm going to tell you, but. If you wonder where he went, if you, if you don't know why you can't hear his voice, if you don't know what tomorrow's going to look like, if you're trying to hold on to a promise that you can't see, I, I'm just going to tell you what, what the first guys and men and women did when they ran into this. They prayed constantly. I can tell you personally, um, just just walking through maybe a season, not exactly like this, but just as a season of like lots of questions. And you know what I found? That in certain seasons of life, my one like quiet time of day wasn't enough. Like I just, I just restructured things. And I took a break in the middle of my afternoon because my morning quiet time wasn't getting me to the end of the workday without anxiety and stress and worry. So I needed one after lunch. I needed to pray constantly. Is that the same right now? No, but there's certain seasons in life. And if you find yourself in a season of waiting or a season of silence, let me just tell you, pray constantly. Like that's just, pray constantly. And don't expect fireworks in your prayers. Just wait. Be faithful and wait. So we're supposed to wait with purpose. The first thing they did is they prayed constantly. We've got to take that seriously, not just like preacher like lingo. We've got to live it. And here's the second thing they did. And this is how I know that they were living, then waiting with expectation. They waited with purpose in that they gathered constantly in prayer. And the second thing they did in order to, uh, to wait with purpose, the second thing they did was, was they prepared. They prayed and they prepared. They leaned on prayer and preparation. Again, if God is the author of time and he speaks a word here or he moves here and then he's got a plan for something that you can't see here, he has a purpose for what's taking place here. And sometimes it's a matter of preparation. Sometimes the preparation is God is waiting for the fullness of, of things of, to orchestrate certain events and we just gotta wait on it. I can remember a vivid time when I just like, God opened up the door to, for us to buy our first house. 
And uh, it was just the hand of God, the blessing of God. We were just looking at him like, man, God has worked. And look at this. We're buying it from a, a worship pastor at another church in town. And, and man, this is so cool. And there's God's fingerprints all over that thing. And then it fell through. And we we're like, what in the world? God, where did you go? And then we moved to Lincoln like two or three years later where the house was valued at probably thirty dollars to $40,000 less than we would have paid for it. And then I'm like, thank you, Jesus. <laughs> Sometimes God has something in our hearts. Hey, we want to buy a house. We want to plant roots. But the circumstances weren't there. And we didn't understand the circumstances we were seeing. But we had to wait. But most of the time, the preparation is not in the events. The preparation is in my own heart. That God wants to give something to us, but we've got to make preparations in our own hearts and in our own lives to receive what God wants to give to us. I heard a preacher say just recently that God regularly tricks us into things. <laughs> Uh, it's so true. And if you don't believe me, think about it. Think about some, some place that God has taken you that's just like crazy, that's just awesome, that's just been incredible. And then think about like at the very beginning of life or the beginning of salvation, if God would have told you in that moment that you would find yourself here, would you be like, nah, that's not for me. God tricks us into stuff all the time. And it's amazing and it's beautiful because he knows I'm not ready for it. There's sometimes in the waiting, he's got to work some circumstances in our own hearts and in our own lives. Look what the disciples do. Again, because of their expectation, because of their trust in Jesus's word, that remember, let's remember what their promise was. You will receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit. When you receive this baptism of the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit will come on you and you will receive power. And with that power, you know what that power is for? The power is to be a witness. Like this is the promise. They were holding on to it. They were waiting. So they're like praying nonstop. I don't know what that means, God. I like genuinely don't know what it means. He compared it to John the Baptist's baptism in water, but then he said it's going to be in fire. That doesn't sound cool. Have you ever thought about that? I talk about Jesus freaking people out. Like in the same way John baptized with water, I'm going to baptize you in fire? Let's define same way here, okay? You just got to put yourself in, in, in their mind a little bit. Like they didn't know what to expect. And so they prayed and they prayed and they constantly prayed, but they also prepared. Look at what they did. So it talks about Judas and and when he died and, and, they, and Peter was kind of the, the ringleader and he's like, hey, Jesus picked 12, right? Now there's only 11 of us. Um, if he picked 12, let's replenish our numbers back to 12 again. Okay, we, let's, let's, let's do that. And they said, okay, let's do that. And so here's what's crazy. They're trying to find a 12th apostle. Okay. So can, can you imagine like the LinkedIn ad or whatever, like, <laughs> what are the job requirements for an apostle? You're going you're gonna to be shocked when you actually read what they are. There's one. Now, I'm sure there were other contributing factors, that, that conversations that happened behind the scenes, because there was a lot of people that met this criteria. 
hey, can I throw my hat in? For, can I throw my name in the hat for apostle of Jesus and leader of the church? Here is the one criteria that we read. Verse 21, it is necessary to choose one of the men who've been with us the whole time the Lord Jesus was living among us, beginning from John's baptism to the time Jesus was taken up from us, okay? For one of these must become a witness with us of his resurrection. So they nominated two men. No other criteria. We just need someone who's been with us from, let's, we got to pick a starting point and an end point, some, all right? So let's just say from the time Jesus was baptized until the time he ascended into heaven. Why was that the one criteria? Because they took Jesus's words literally. He looked at them and he said, you will be what? We talked about it all last week. Witnesses. And they're like, okay, well, he called 12, and he said, you're going to be witnesses. We better get another witness. He must have had a reason for it. So we better get another witness. They, they weren't looking for another speaker. They weren't looking for another teacher. They weren't looking for the godliest man around, though I'm sure those things probably came into the conversation. They're looking for a witness. And I love this because they were waiting they could have waited around like, God, I don't know what this is supposed to look like. I don't know what, this is gonna, what you're going to do. I don't know how this is going to play out. So let's just kind of see how this thing goes. But they're like, no, 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 no. We're going to pray and we're going to prepare. We're going to wait with purpose. We're going to pray and we're going to prepare. So, so that when God fulfills his word to me, we're ready to get going. When God fulfills his word to you, that you're like, all right, I can take it and run with this. They were prepared. Well, how do you prepare for something you don't know what to do? Well, you start by just taking Jesus' word literally. He was looking for witnesses. Can I get a witness? Yeah, okay. You guys, you guys fit it. Let's pick one of you guys. Okay, yeah, you're one of the 12. Hey, now, now we're, our witnesses are ready. We've got them lined up. And we come to know they all became witnesses. <laughs> we come to find out that that call to be a witness was not just for the 12. But what were they doing? They weren't waiting and complaining. They weren't waiting that slipped into apathy. They weren't waiting and, and just going through the routine. They weren't waiting and, and, and just biding time. They were waiting with expectation. And they were waiting with purpose. So friend, maybe you're walking through one of those seasons right now. Maybe you're walking through a season, you're like, I don't understand even what I'm going through. God's voice is quiet and his presence feels distant. You're not alone. The apostles felt this too. Jesus says, I'm gonna give you something, someone, I'm gonna give you power, it's gonna change the world. But first, I. I want to teach you how to walk on your own. And he goes, and he's quiet. We know he was right there by their side. Friends, first of all, I want you to know he's right there by your side. He's never going to leave you. He's never going to forsake you. 
It might be quiet. Don't listen to the doubts in those quiet. See, here's the deal. Here's something else that happens. There's a battle that takes place in your mind when God's voice goes quiet. God is using the quiet to develop something in us, but the devil will seize the opportunity to lie to us and say, see, I told you there was nothing there to start with. And listen, if you're identifying with that right now, don't feel guilt like you're isolated. This is a common tactic of the devil. And I'm not going to ask people to raise hands, but if I did, I can guarantee you hands would fly up everywhere that, we've, that many have walked through this experience where God just says, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to just be quiet a little bit and I'm going to watch you walk in faithfulness. And the devil will attack. He knows his opportunities. The question is, what are we going to do in the waiting? We stink as a society at waiting in general. Like, have you ever tried? I dare you. I dare you to practice your waiting. Drive from here, like Walmart, the, the North Walmart on 27th to the South Walmart on 27th in the same lane. I dare you. <laughs> we'll see how good of waiting you are. See, we stink at it generally, as a society. But God wants to use those waiting moments. See, God has purpose. God doesn't waste the waiting. God works in the waiting. So let's be a people like, like, his, like his followers, like those closest ones to him. Let's, let's learn to wait with expectation. And that doesn't mean I, I muster up some emotional like, expression in church all the time. What it means is that I constantly go back to the word of God and I believe it. Not because I feel the feels, but because I'm choosing to trust when I don't see. And watch expectation rise. Let's wait with purpose in prayer. Let's prepare. What needs to get prepared in your life? What can you work on right now while you're waiting for the fulfillment of what God has spoken to your heart? Man, I feel like God called me into such and such, but I just don't know what that's gonna look like. Well, you do whatever you can possibly do to prepare yourself. I remember in high school, I felt the call of God in high school, and like, but I, <laughs> I was dead set against it. But because I knew what God was calling me to, um, I, there was no other like second choice. I didn't have like, oh yeah, I, I wanna be this instead. I was just like, no, I wanna be something that makes a lot of money. That was my, that was my high school goals. And so you know what I did? I took every, like the highest level of every class that I could take. Like I did not have like a senior, like, like slough off year. I took everything because I, this is a different story, but I was kind of sort of running from God's call in my life. But it was because I wanted, I wanted, because I didn't know what I was going to do. So I'm going to take all of it so I can be as prepared as possible so I can do anything other than ministry. Now it worked well. I should have just sloughed off that year. Um, I'm working against my own illustration here. But what is it? Like, I was like, I don't know what I want to do with my life, so I'm going to do everything I can to prepare. Friends, we as Christians, maybe you're in a time of quiet or, or, or waiting or, or silence. Like, 
go somewhere. Do something. Allow God to work in you. Listen to his voice. I don't know what he's going to do, but let's prepare so when he speaks, we're ready to go. Amen? Father God, we praise you and we thank you. You are good and a holy God. And God, I realize that this, this spiritual journey is hard and it's confusing and it's challenging. And we got questions that we don't understand and it gets quiet. And we have to wait. But God, would, would you help us learn to remember, help us remember, God, that you're in the waiting. You're not just in the waiting, you're working in the waiting. God, give us a spirit of expectation. God, may we learn to wait with purpose. God, you have incredible things in store. Lord, it's fun for us. We know how this book unfolds. Those in the waiting had no clue. Father, I believe today that you have book of Acts kinds of things out in front of those who are willing to wait with purpose and expectation. You are the same God. Your mission has not changed. For you still love the world. So Father, prepare us in the waiting. We're yours. We're yours, God. In your name we pray. Thank you for listening to this audio from Crossroads Church. Feel free to share this audio with others, but please do not alter or edit the content in any way. For more information about Crossroads, please visit lincolncrossroads.com.